Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. Hope you're having a great President's Day. For those of you that are enjoying a banking holiday, it looks like we have a number of you dialing in from uh, all over the country again. I always like looking at the switchboard and who dials in. Now, a lot of you listen to this on a on a uh, downloaded basis after the fact, but in a good number, of, uh, hundreds of thousands sometimes, listen on a uh, live basis via the computer. However you're listening, we appreciate you tuning in and telling others about the prod- podcast, what we're doing here. Again, this program is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Innovation Award from Progress in Lending. Very excited to be with you. We're continuing today in the Hot Topics segment, the series of discussions regarding TRID, and it's TRID in the Trenches. You know, last week we had Loretta Salzano. She was a great guest, gave us some good insights, and we're continuing with that. And today we have Nancy Alley, Vice President of Strategic Planning with Simplify, one of our newest sponsors. And it's really timely when you're looking at all the TRID uh, issues that are going on. We've kind of gone past some of the integration issues, but we're really like, how can we do that? And we're going to be focusing on communication. I'm really excited to hear um, first of all, excited to have a new sponsor, Simplify, but more excited even the fact that they have such a really amazing solution for the industry. So we're going to be talking about that. We're really going to be focusing on what you can do to communicate, be collaborative with them, and then, of course, we're going to weave in a little bit how they go about it. So be sure to stay tuned in all the way to the Hot Topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. It's always, uh, first of all, I hope you all had a great Valentine's Day. We did. I've got my wife and the two daughters, and we did my they're precious, and we just have so much fun in it. So cook some good steaks. Try to go. Thought about going out to dinner, but there's something about just staying home and having a good home cooked meal, especially when I travel as much as I do. So hope you had a great Valentine's Day. I want to say a special thank you, Valentines that are close to us, the, are, are our sponsors. I want to say a special thank you to ArchMI, who is the creator of the new RateStar product, very innovative, and we're going to hear about that a little bit later. Also, Motivity Solutions, the mortgage industry's leading business intelligence technology, and they provide real-time reporting and dashboards and scorecards of what's going on in your operation. Again, the key word is real-time. You know exactly what's happening with your business. We're going to get the latest KPI of the week from uh, John in just a little bit later in the podcast. Also, a special thank you goes out to Velma. stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing System. I always chuckle when I mention this sponsor because I'm hitting him with last-minute changes. I'm going, Brent is the most flex- flexible guy. That crew is so good at Velma, Velma to get the word out in a timely manner, and they work with you. If they can work with me, they can work with anybody. I'm the guy that does the last-minute, on-the-fly changes, and they can handle it. It's good. Also, they have the nice set-it-and-forget campaigns. encourage you to check them out at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A. stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. Great group of people. Now go in. We're very excited to have Simplify as our latest sponsor, newer one of our newer sponsors. And uh, in this post-trid world, timing is as of essence, and e- waiting for an email with the latest update is no longer acceptable. And not only that, I'm not sure it's even prudent. If you look at where the CFPB's attitude is on this, with Simplify, you can 
collaborate with settlement agents by way of a real-time chat and messaging. You can also track, share, and receive and validate documents and data. You know, I think we're going to hear in the Hot Topic segment just how important that can be, especially if you're dealing with a CFPB audit. You can also uh, share changes, updates, and uh, uh, deficiencies in some of the documentation that's going out with your relationships, and you do it again in real time, back and forth, electronic communication. That is what? Trackable. That's a key word. So check it out. Simplifile.com, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-I-L-E.com, or call them at one 800 460 Five seven. Of course, I say thank you to Alice, Joe, and Paul Mala, who is on vacation, as well as Sam Garcia, who is out. Or oh, he's here with us today. What am I saying? He's out. It's Andy Sheldon's out. So anyway, good to have you all with us. Uh, upcoming NBA um, conferences this week, we have the National Servicing Conference in Orlando. Many of you, uh, it starts. Let's see, starts tomorrow in Orlando, Florida, at the High Regency. Also, March second through the fifth, we have the Midwinter Housing Conference. And uh, up at David Stevens, one of his favorite places. I'm looking at Stevens' pictures on Facebook over the weekend, and he's down in the Caribbean. Then he gets to go there. This guy lives a charmed life. But he's going to have a great conference. I encourage you to check it out. Also, Condominium Lending Workshop, Challenges and Opportunities. And Crystal City, that is March 10th. Then April 3rd through the 6th, we're going to be doing a live podcast for the DNH booth in that the uh, National technology conference uh, with the mortgage MBA's National Technology Conference and Expo. So we'll be there doing a live podcast from the JW Marriott in Los Angeles, California. Look forward for you to come on by the DNH booth. Love to have you swing by and wave or when we're doing the podcast. We'll be doing that at 10 a.m. Yeah, that's, of course, the normal time, but it's uh, the podcast out there is at 10 a.m. So if you're in the, at that conference, have a swing by the booth. Love to see you. Also, for all the updated MBA conferences and education events that are going on, check out or Google MBA Education or MBA Conferences and Education. You'll get to it. Be sure to also sign up while you're at the MBA website for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Very easy to do. essential that we get our word and our voice heard. Joe Farm, thanks so much for taking time on this President's Day to join us. And I'm looking at your website. Of course, it's flatlining because there is no activity. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, so nothing to talk about today, but boy, there's lots to talk about last week, and then we've got some... Uh, well, Jack actually, there's, there's stuff to talk about today, Dave. We've got... Uh, have oh, a, you're right. Uh, you know, the U.S. US markets are, are US markets are closed, but the uh, overseas markets overseas are not. Market. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, Mario Draghi came out saying that, uh, the ECB's ready to stimulate um, the... the uh, Japan's GDP came in fourth quarter was down like 1.4 percent, and on that news, the markets rallied under the thought that uh, Japan might do some more stimulus of its own. And so, because those markets have rallied, the uh, U.S. stock futures are up a couple hundred points, and um, you know that that ordinarily would would give you some concern about you know as we've seen lately, as stocks have gone up, MBS prices have fallen, and vice versa. But so far, the the futures activity on the on the MBS side or on the bond bond side and and other bond markets have not been hit too badly. With uh, even though there's been a nice stock market rally, and so you know it's hard to know what's going to happen. It'd be interesting to see what happens as we uh, we come to work tomorrow and see how much any of this is affecting uh, you know the U.S. markets. But uh, yeah, it begs the question after Friday's uh, Friday's big stock market yeah. rally and and actually it started 
early in the morning on Thursday, uh, MBS prices have, have, for the first time this year, it seems, have uh, given back some significant, not a significant amount, but over half a point in price of uh, the rally that's been seen. And, and you know, a couple of days in a row, stocks have been up. So, you know, maybe, maybe we're reaching a point at which the stocks become more valuable and and unfortunately, that might mean we we could be reaching a point where the you know the rally in MBS prices may uh, slow down. So, right. uh, yeah, quite a lot going on today. I wish I had more data, but uh, it's hard to get it on a on a holiday like this. <laughs> on a holiday, exactly right. Um, but you know, last week was a, a pretty significant week in that it we continued at least through Thursday morning. Uh, MBS prices were improving. A little bit every day, sometimes you know a half a point uh, on one of those days, and, and stocks were selling off. And then something uh, triggered uh, uh, on the on the day thirty Thursday. We started losing prices, and Friday we lost uh, uh, close to a half a point. I think it was fifteen thirty seconds in price on Friday alone. And uh, you know it wasn't on huge amount of data coming out. We you know we had. Janet Yellen do her testimony before the uh, uh, House Financial Services Committee on Wednesday and Thursday, and her comments were, you know, somewhat as expected. I mean, she she mentioned that uh, uh, probably provided a little more of a dovish tone, and and the consequence of that is that expectations for future rate increases. Uh, uh, diminished. I mean, the number of rate, inque- rate hikes in 2016 is now expected to be uh, between, say, one and none, and uh, and that's been good for stocks. It shouldn't shouldn't have had a big influence on mortgage rates, but uh, yeah, we had a very good retail sales number, uh, or, or a good retail sales number, let's say, uh, good consistent yeah. growth both uh, in January and December was revised a little bit higher. Uh, retail sales has a number of measures like everything does, Dave. And when you extract some of the more volatile things, the retail sales number, and that includes things like uh, auto sales, gas sales, building materials, food services, uh, the volatile kind of things, uh, X those things, retail sales rose six-tenths of a percent, twice what was expected, and a very strong number. So uh, uh, some pretty good uh, strength in the in the details of that number. Um, so you know, again, last week Yellen caused a little bit of uh, market movement, uh, not a lot. The economy, economic data besides retail sales was okay. Jolts came in. Uh, job openings were near the highest level they've been, uh, the second highest level they've been in years. There was one other month this this year that we had a little higher rate, and the quit rate was very high. So. Uh, some strength in that. Unemployment claims fell, uh, and so all in all, the data last week was was pretty good. Uh, it, yet, MBS prices on the week continued to improve. Yeah, Freddie Mac rate survey. You look at that, and you see it for, for six weeks in a row. Now we had that rally on Friday, so it didn't take it into consideration. In fact, the rate survey is on Monday, but very interesting yeah, to see how this yeah. just been just really sliding. And then you look at the commentary as you look forward is, you know, a lot of people say it's not much. We've got the FOMC meeting. So let's talk a little bit about this week. Let's, you know, what do we have? Housing starts, eh, FOMC. Yeah, it's really a pretty full week. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. The, you know, some of them, uh, Empire State Index comes out on Tuesday along with the National Home Builders uh, Housing Survey. Uh, then on Wednesday, housing starts, industrial production, and PPI. The minutes of the last Fed meeting come out on Wednesday as well at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Philly Fed and jobless claims on Thursday. And then on Friday, CPI. Uh, the expectation is that CPI, both core and full uh, overall CPI, are about the same as they were last month, which is uh, uh, overalls down a tenth and, and cores up a tenth. So, yeah. Uh, could, not much, know, that, not much to worry about inflation in, in those numbers, at least. So we don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think I mean the, the the big thing this week is see if we see any new information. Most likely not at the FOMC meeting minutes get released. But you know we pay attention to there. There's always a little surprises and reactions. But what's so interesting between that and correct me wrong, you know, you know I, I do the today's mortgage minute video and uh, each day, and I, I use your website. I don't know how people, Joe. In the mortgage industry, call themselves mortgage professionals that don't have access to this system. I mean, how can you not be talking about the relevance of the FOMC minutes or that? But anyway, Jenny Ellen's comments last week were her comments. Yes, it's consensus. But is it true that FOMC meeting minutes are really a consensus of that committee and we get better insights? So while we listened to her comments yesterday, it, you know how much of her is in that versus the committee, and we're going to find out today. I mean, on Wednesday, the committee yep. consensus and what the, what's in those minutes. So that's they they put in the discussion a lot of a lot of really good insights from that. So it'll be good. Good to have you with us, Joe. Always appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. Appreciate you doing thank it. you. You could do a great job of summarizing it and looking at everything that's going on. So I want to say thank you so much for being here each and every week and. Look forward to having you participate with the interview of Nancy Alley just a little bit. Alice Alvey is on the way. I think she's in the airport now, so we're going to have her break to her comment. Paul Mall is taking the day off. Uh, enjoying President's Day is what he said, so we're going to be right back after this brief break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoteline, you'll never be out of touch with the market, whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. mbsquoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. That's good to have you back here. You know, one of the things I want to talk about is just real quickly, just comment on that mobile app that MBS Codeline has. It is good. I'm I'm traveling so much now. I ha- I rely on that thing. I don't know how people get along without it. Anyway, Alice Alvey, did you make it through TSA all right? And uh, get, get to your... <laughs> <laughs> Get to your gate, all right. I was I was imagining well, as we we're actually, on, I listening chose to, the, to wait. 
Oh, you chose to wait. Okay, yeah. Don't take the risk. I, it would be just your luck that you would be the one that they select for that, you know. And you go, no, I can't do this. I can't can't go for the frisk because I am. I've got a radio program got about it, which of course would probably just heighten your opportunity for that. So appreciate you dialing in. Good to have you here, Alice. What uh, what's in? Well, I know what you're going to be talking about. It's really interesting what's going on up there in Michigan. But give us a rundown of everything that's in on your radar screen. Yeah, so the first things on the radar screen are just, um, you may have seen that the CFPB just issued a supplement to the know before you all to make a technical correction there. Um, so they wanted, they needed to correct a typographical error in the supplemental information that basically was missing the word not, right? So it's an important word to miss because if you don't have the word in there, you think you have to do something. And when, to do or to not to do. The word yeah. not, <laughs> kind of, you know, hold up a pocket. And that was as it relates to the property insurance premiums and property taxes and HOA dues, condo fees, and, and co-op fees, where in this uh, supplemental information it was missing the word that these are not subject to a tolerance. So without the word not, it came across as that they are subject to a tolerance. Well, we all knew from other commentary and things that this was going to have to get fixed. So it is uh, now formally getting corrected, so it, the final notice is done, but it still leaves a lot of unanswered questions um, just in general in terms of how these fees are really different from recording, right? Recording's paid to a government entity, so right. um, how do we have such a tight strain on, on recording? Anyway, um, so ha- that was easy. That's not anything um, catastrophic. I will say I'm watching this Millennium Title uh, story out of Texas, which maybe Paul would have reported yeah. on. So we have a title company. A title company owner who took off with uh, several million dollars, and so now the uh, Texas Department of Insurance does have it set up on their website for folks to go in and file a claim. But you know, um, we we have one of our training classes on mortgage fraud where we've got Mike Davis, who was a joint owner of a mortgage company and a title company, and um, he our fraud training really talks on this. And we've had people say, well, how does that happen today in today's world of technology and audit? And this just proves it does happen. You have to know who you're doing business with is the message here. There will be people who um, at some point may not get their mortgages paid, again, depending on the scenario here with uh, what loans didn't get paid off. And, uh, you know, so this is money missing from an escrow account, right, that somebody uh, took. So, yes, it does happen today. Wow. You know who your business partners are. Um, I do want to give folks a quick update on the Flint water crisis. Being from Michigan, this is a very near and dear to our hearts here to uh, care about the people of Flint. Uh, I was, uh, it was interesting to see the massive amount of information that's been acquired over on Wikipedia now about this. So it has been going on for years, but now it's getting attention by those who are trying to lend in the city of Flint. Uh, so if you have mortgage lending going on in that area, you have to know what's going on. You have to know about where your property is located. Is it potentially um, at risk for having contaminated water? And neither Fannie, Freddie, FHA, nobody's coming out and saying you have to get it tested, but they all say you have to know what, you, what you're lending on. So uh, you do, in some respects, already know it may be contaminated, but certainly it is um, by area, so you, you, you have to check where your house is at. Uh, you have to check whether or not it should be tested if you're not 100% sure. And then, of course, from there, we can't lend on a house with unsafe drinking water unless there is, um, you know, some kind of reverse osmosis or other uh, water filter treatment options available for the home. So it is possible to lend. 
it's just going to obviously have to have the appraiser address it and make sure you know what is going on with the water for that particular property. Um, there isn't any immediate correction coming from the city that will be in the near term. So uh, we there isn't because there's a that's a long path to try and get this completely cleaned up and testing to know that the water is now safe. So if you have any questions, those of us in Michigan are happy to help you. But we're really kind of uh, still uh, not sure it's over. It's definitely not over. So you still do need to watch your properties in Flint, Michigan. Uh, and then yeah. I think, oh, last but not least, um, FHA MIP premiums. Um, so there was some, you know, back and forth on whether FHA might change their uh, life of loan policy, and the answer is no. Uh, so the fact is that FHA MIP premiums do continue through the life of the loan, right, short of, um, you know, the uh, shorter terms. But, uh, you know, when you get that 97% LTV, that annual MIP is going to continue for the life of the loan, and there's no future of uh, drop, no point in dropping that right now. FHA really needs that to hold up the fund. Um, so that's the update that I have today, Dave. And uh, folks have any questions on those, we're happy to provide a follow-up and give us a call. Yeah, a lot of people or some people are texting me saying, you know, what's the what's the water issue and and why do I care? I said, well, if you're lending in that area, you care. So there's lead in the water, and that's it's been on the national news, catching some national attention. But uh, go to get a hold of Alice if you have any questions, especially if you're lending in that area, to make sure you have a good, clean, clear to close that you got that loan that could be purchased. So uh, some interesting issues there regarding lead in the water, and I think it's not just there, but it, it really underscores Alice how many municipalities there are out there and how a lot of infrastructure is just not quite as solid as it should be. So how do you stay in touch with all this? I mean, what is your advice? I mean, is there a possibility of other issues rising and other as a result of failure of infrastructure in a city? And, and how does someone find out about it before they're stuck with a loan on their warehouse line that they can't get sold because of, oops, we didn't know about that? So what's, what's your recommendation for that? Well, I think it does speak to knowing the areas that you lend in. And so if you're a national lender, how do you possibly know all of these little regional issues that can go on that can definitely affect marketability and saleability of a loan? Um, so you have to have folks who are able to uh, follow that stuff and listen to this program, right? Then you'll yeah. know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, it. so for yeah, there you go. We try to pick them up, you know, pick up those little pieces. But uh, yeah, so ultimately, the water per is something that this is a story that has been going on for a while. It was in the Wall Street Journal, uh, it's been on national news. So, and like I said, feel free to email me, alice.lv at indicom.net, and I'm happy to uh, uh, give you some information on it. Good, good. Or you can call her at one eight hundred two seven eight zero two. Two zero two zero zero. Finally updated my number here, Dale. So we got it. We got it all set here. So we're giving there, giving out the right number. Thanks so much, Alice. Appreciate you so much. Again, I'm looking over at you. Referenced uh, imfnews.com. Paul Mollos. Uh, they're taking the day off, so they have not updated the website on this. So I don't see any reference to it. Not to say that he hasn't covered it in other segments, but I'm looking at today's website. It is not there right at the moment. Folks, we're going to be right back with Sam Garcia right after the ad break. It's good to have you with us. And, uh, you know, you look at we get a lot of feedback from all of you, and we say thank you for that. We're also looking for uh, topics that you're wanting to cover on this podcast, so be sure to get to us. Email me at uh, either any of us, uh, Joe, Alice, or myself, on topics you'd like to have us covered. So get a hold of me at david at tms-advisors.com. We're going to be right back after this brief ad break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. 
If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. You will have the edge if you have Alice and her team on it there. Sam Garcia, good to have you here with us. I'm going to love here looking at your website and all the good news stories that are there. Good to have you with us, friend. It's nice and warm here in Texas. We won't have to put that in Alice's face too much. I mean, it should hit the 80s here, so very nice and sunny. But anyway, what you got for us today, Sam? Man, I don't think we've uh, even had one day when a flake of snow has fallen from the sky here this year. It's been kind of a warm winter. <laughs> but I'm yeah, not going to complain about that. <laughs> no. Growing up in Minnesota, in North Dakota, Minnesota area, no, I'll, I'll receive this all day long. That's why I moved here. I love it. So anyway, Alice will jump in and say, shut up, boys. Get to the news. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> hush up. Okay. Shut up. She's a real lady. So anyway, she'll say, hush up. Anyway, what do you got on your website today that's uh, catching uh, the attention of everyone? Well, uh, I think uh, probably the most important thing out there is the, our mortgage market index because it was up again last week, 12%. And that turned out to be the highest level of activity in 10 months. Um, and that index reflects uh, average per user rate locks by open close clients. And what was behind that was an uh, increase in refinance activity. Uh, refinance rate locks surged 22%, and that was the highest level since January 2015. So uh, the falling rates are really having a nice impact on refinances. And, uh, you know, I always thought it was kind of interesting how the smaller shops and maybe even brokers were the ones who were able to adapt most quickly to refinance activities that happen because they can just go and open a shop and, you know, hit the market uh, running where some of the bigger shops have to take a longer-term view and, you know, be concerned about layoffs. So it be interesting to see where that winds up uh, as far as rates and refinances. CoreLogic reported that its 90-day delinquency rate on mortgages finished last year at 3.2%, and that turned out to be 10 10 basis points better than a month earlier and 90 basis points uh, improvement over a year earlier. Um, Another metric they reported was completed foreclosures, which fell to 32,000 for December, and that was the lowest level of uh, REO filing since 2006. And and while that sounds really good... um, you know, CoreLogic does keep things in perspective because it noted that that's still well above the 21,000 monthly REO average that was, uh, you know, happening prior to the foreclosure crisis. So we still got a ways to go, but we've been improving pretty consistently for a while now. Um, we track, uh, of course, mortgage-related businesses that either close or fail, and um, out of the 25 that we tracked for last year, 14 of them were credit unions. Um, so credit unions really oh. took the bulk of the hits last year, and that trend's continuing uh, this year. So far, we've tracked seven mortgage-related casualties uh, uh, in 2016, and seven of them are, uh, are most of them, should I say, a majority of them are credit unions. So uh, uh, that trend's kind of continuing. You know, there was a while there, like back in 2011, where it was banks were just, uh, it seemed like every Friday we'd have a few of them. But uh, those have pretty much died off now, and now the only financial institutions we typically are seeing are credit unions, and we'll track that throughout the rest of the year and see how that turns out. 
Um, a big news story last week was uh, that Morgan Stanley reached a settlement. Um, at Morgan Stanley reached a $2.6 billion settlement with both the federal and state governments. Um, and that issue were subprime residential mortgage-backed securities that it issued in 2006 and 2007. And it turns out that uh, so far they've had about $5 billion in such settlements, MBS-related settlements. So uh, that's a pretty big number there, but, you know, obviously some of these companies are still putting that behind them. And one interesting story we had last week, um, Mayak announced that it had an offering on jumbo loans. And it was just about $4 million in loans. But these loans were rejected by Fannie, Freddie, or Ginny May over TRID issues. So Mayak mm-hmm. said this is one of the first TRID kickback pools of size to come to the market. Um, TRID kickback got, pools. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got a new index, Joe. we got to start tracking TRID kickback pools. That's really interesting. I'll be interested to see what those pr- get priced at. And uh, any, is there any way that you could follow up on that and let us know, Sam? Any ideas? Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me talk with the people at Maya. I can see. Uh, you know, we'll keep reporting on these as they come up too, because I suspect there'll be more. They said again, this is one of the first ones so far. So yeah, we'll definitely follow those. Um, another agency that sells uh, is in the secondary is at Mountain View, and it announced uh, MSRs are for sale on 2.8 billion dollars in agency loans, and the seller in that particular transaction is a independent mortgage banking firm. Um, late Friday. Uh, Caliber Home Loans put out an announcement that Sanjive Das, and I apologize if I pronounce that incorrectly, is taking over as their CEO. Um, and Das was the uh, previously the CEO of City Mortgage, so it's a pretty big organization from 2008 to 2013. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, finally, finally uh, AIG reported that new insurance uh, written by uh, United Guarantee, which is one of its subsidiaries, totaled $10.8 billion in the fourth quarter. Um, that, that business for them dropped 27% from the third quarter, and it was also even down from a, a year earlier by 2%. So that's you know, one of the big players out there, and they had a kind of a dip, and that wasn't necessarily the case for all mortgage insurance companies, but uh, obviously we keep an eye on United Guarantee. But uh, those are some of the big headlines that we had over the last week. Uh, it was a little bit slower last week because I think we talked before, of course, the Super Bowl week tends to behave like a holiday week and then of course we got this one so we got I don't think we saw any uh, any news out there today period from any government agency or from the uh you know housing finance agency so it's a pretty slow day when it comes to news today slow day but there's still a lot of great information on your website I encourage people to check it out at mortgagedaily.com where you can get a hold of Sam at sam garcia at mortgagedaily.com or call him 214-521-1300. Good job, Sam. Appreciate you being here each and every week. Do a great job, and I, I really appreciate it. And I want to say thank you because one of the, I received, I made reference earlier to um, today's Mortgage Minute, and you've been kind enough to uh, really promote that, and we really, really appreciate uh, putting that up on your website. You're going to want to check it out. Go check out the uh, website that we have. I think we're, we, we haven't got that up and running yet. I know we're in the process of getting it up and running on your website where people can view that uh, one-minute uh, you know, market overview. It's, it's a consumer-facing type thing, so it's really meant for more for consumers uh, and explaining the complexities of the market. But I really appreciate you putting that up there. For they do. Yeah, you do a good job on that, too. I enjoyed listening to it. Well, I, it's it's fun to do. It's a lot of work goes in it. I just, I, I'm using Joe's – if a lot of information comes out of what Joe does uh, at MBS Quote Line, so I need to make sure I – give them a plug in all of this but thanks so much for being here each and every week and it's 
always a joy. Check out the website, folks, MortgageDaily.com. All right, we're going to get for we're excited to have uh, Jim Jump, who is the Arch Mortgage and Chief in, uh, Marketing Officer, uh, give us an update and talk more about what's going on with their some of their new innovative products. I really like what they're doing with a rate star. So, Jim, what do you got for us today? Hello, David. Always a pleasure to be on the program. Today, I want to share some information about ArchMI's most dynamic and competitive MI rate program. It's called ArchMI Rate Star and it's a revolutionary mortgage insurance pricing solution that goes well beyond traditional MI rate sheets to provide competitive rates matched precisely to your borrower. And is now available for customer use. The new program allows for Archimize customers to obtain the most precise mortgage insurance rate possible for each loan they insure with Archimai. Archimai RateStar has already generated tremendous customer interest and enthusiasm for this new, more precise approach to pricing mortgage insurance coverage. We are confident that mortgage originators will recognize that Archimai's RateStar is easy to access, it's easy to use, it's really innovative, and it delivers some of the most competitive rates in the industry. RateStar is available to customers via Archimai's website, archimai.com, and the mobile app is available for Apple and Android devices. It is fully integrated with most loan origination systems and product and pricing engines. And with that, David, I will turn it back over to you and say thank you very much for the time. Good, Jim. And we also got, we have next week as our guest, we're going to have the president and CEO of ArchMI with us, and uh, David Gansberg, and he's going to be on talking with us about some of the innovative things that they're doing, but also just innovation in the industry, leadership of the industry, and how you succeed. So be sure to tune in next week as we have David Gansberg, President and CEO with ArchMI, with us. Looking forward to that. Uh, each week we give an update on the KPI of the week. We always have John Maynil. It's always good to send us an update on what it is. So here's this week's KPI of the week, sponsored by Motivity Solutions. Thank you so much, Dave. Great to be here, as always. And this week's key performance indicator is a strategic KPI called conditional approval to resubmit, generally measured in days. And like any strategic KPI, it can quickly uncover and help improve any and all processes that contribute to it. Beyond the actual processing cycle time that it's measuring, it can lead to cleaning up the general communications and workflow between processing and underwriting. And you may recall from previous segments that when it comes to causes and effects in operations... These types of strategic KPIs are the effects that can be tied to operational KPIs that monitor the causes of those effects and can quite literally drive specific behaviors that will produce desired effects like the attainment of certain performance benchmarks, a very powerful aspect of mortgage business intelligence that again shows that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you again and turn it back to you. So true. What gets measured gets results. Check it out at MotivitySolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000 based out of Denver, Colorado. Folks, I do not know. I mean, I don't know how people run and, you know, out selling without using MBS Quoteline. I don't know how anyone runs a mortgage company without Motivity Solutions and the dashboards that they have. Check it out, MotivitySolutions.com. So excited to have with us today Nancy Alley. Now, Nancy is the uh, vice president and um the person that runs strategic planning there at Simplify, and it, you know, they contacted us. Want to? I'm really grateful that they reached out to us to want to sponsor on the radio program, and it's, it's really good to have Nancy with us. But what's also interesting is how timely they're joining the radio program is. And so when we heard about some of the products as we do due diligence on all of our advertisers, we started looking at what they're doing in the area of TRID, and we go, whoa, this is really good. So we're really excited to have Nancy with us. 
Nancy, good to have you joining the the podcast. Bruce, appreciate it. Well, great to be here. Thanks, David. You bring 25 years of financial services experience and a lot of mortgage industry lending experience. You are the vice president of strategic planning, or you are vice president of strategic planning at Simplify. But you also have had a distinguished career in mortgage lending and specifically have won a lot of awards within the mortgage technology area. For example, Stephen Frazier, Visionary Award in 2011. You also hold a bachelor's degree, and there's a lot of other awards you can go on. Get, go check out her LinkedIn uh, page, and you'll see all of her background and every there everything there, but she also received a uh, bachelor's degree and uh, in a business administration from University of Michigan from the um, School of uh, the Ross School of Business there at Michigan. Am I correct in all of that? So you're another, we have, you and Alice have it in common, (laughs) route to good old in Michigan. Yeah, go blue. Go blue, yeah, a lot of, well, well I'm, I kind of bleed a little orange out here with the Texas, but oh wait, I said that, I hope my daughter's not listening, she's going to Baylor, so we're now all Baylor, all in Baylor, my 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 daughter and money go to Baylor, as they say, so we're now hooking bears, I mean, so, good hooking bears, hooking bears, oh God, I'm going to shut up and get onto this podcast, it's good to have you with us, Nancy, what's really interesting is some of the things that you're doing in the area of TRID, and that's really what I want to get into, I want to talk about some of the services you provide, but you know, more interesting is there's the bigger challenges that you're seeing emerging since TRID went on in, into force. And I would like to get your perspective. What are some of those big challenges that the industry is facing? Sure. Um, well, I think the biggest thing that, that we're seeing, and you'll hear if you sit on any um, MBA call or we sit on the, the land title, the Alta calls every week as well, is that it's really just getting the lender and the settlement agent communities on the same page. So right. we're just not there yet. I mean, they're trying, they're working hard together, but they're just not on the same page yet. And I think Loretta mentioned this last week in in her podcast that, you know, their roles have really flip-flopped. So, you know, the HUD one used to be done by the agent. The lender's assuming that under the new disclosures. And, you know, with that, with that, not only has it flip-flopped, but there's timing pressure, there's more risk from a compliance perspective. So, you know, they're really struggling, I think, to just really get on the same page and feel comfortable with the process. You know, it's so true that we look at the role reversal. It's really true. Have lenders been able to really take uh, this on, uh, take on their new responsibilities successfully, in your opinion? What's your, what's your perspective? Yeah, I mean, my, my gut reaction is yes. I think hats off to the lenders out there that, They've worked through this. I think you know all of them, or at least almost all of them, are getting the disclosures out the door. Um, I think you mentioned earlier. You know, the first few weeks I think were bumpy back in October, as people worked through maybe integrations, let's say, with their doc vendor on this. And then we saw it a couple of weeks later. It got bumpy again because people kind of focused early October on the loan estimate, and then we got to the closing disclosure. We had a few more bumps, but. You know, I really think that, um, you know, we've gotten there, um, and they're really doing a good job and wholeheartedly digging in and trying to comply with, really, the letter of the law. It's interesting you use the choice, choice words, the letter of the law. Explain that. Sure. Um, well, so, you know, I guess what I mean there is, you know, there's how many pages of regulation, and the lenders are, at least the lenders we're working with, they're working really hard to cross every T, dot every I, make sure that they have it straight, um, but I take a step back from that a little bit because we're exposed to so many lenders and from Simple Pile's um, point of view, so many settlement agents, and I think there's really been a focus as an industry that this is almost a form change. So we have these new forms we have to get out the door to, to close a loan. Um, 
And I think that's a little bit of a, a misconception. So I like to think about, yeah, we're doing a great job of maybe addressing the letter of the law, the nuances of the regulation, but what about the spirit of the law? So, you know, really this is a shift, um, you know, being promoted by the CFPB that as a lender, um, as a creditor, we now have to be able to um, be compliant in the way we disclose to consumers, right? So we have to do that. There's timing issues around that. It has to be done securely. But the bottom line is we have to disclose in a way that there's no surprises at the closing table. And I think if you take a step back, that's really the spirit of the law that as a lending organization you need to be think about thinking about now. You've gotten over the hump. You're getting these forms out. But this is a big risk shift towards the lender that was never there before. And I think a lender needs to make sure that they're kind of holistically incorporating a, a process or a system so that they can get this right and really meet the spirit of the law. I love that concept of the spirit of the law versus the letter of law because I think anytime you I've done do a lot of legal expert witness work and anytime you talk to an attorney, they keep going to the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. Now we get litigated on the letter of the law, but it's really coming down if you can prove that you've gone to the spirit of the law and I think that's a really good point. Can you give us an example of this? Sure. And I'm not an attorney, but I did sleep well last night since I have today off mainly. Um, so, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, but I did um, stay at a Holiday Inn Select last night. I did. Like I did. But I actually <laughs> slept in my own bed last night. But um, So, you know, I think about a lot of the lenders that we've been speaking with or working with, and a lot of them really approach this, you know, approach to October, let's say, with – kind of a brute force approach, and I don't mean that as a criticism because they were all in on getting it right, um, but they staffed up so that when they're working with their agents, they can email, phone. You heard Loretta mention last week people are even faxing back and forth to really get you know the, the closing disclosure done. And, you know, take a step back from that. So in a low-volume scenario, that probably works, especially if you only deal with, you know, a certain number of settlement agents. But you get in a heavy purchase market get in a high-volume market and we get a spike. How, how do you scale those human beings, right, to get this done? Because if you start getting a lot of volume, I'd be concerned about a lender's ability to really meet the timing requirements of the regulation. And then, so, you know, that steps back, you take a step back and say, okay, on this loan, on the Smith loan, I'm meeting the letter of the law, but if I get a huge volume spike, how do I make that process something that I can scale, make it repeatable, um, predictable, um, and secure. I heard Linda, uh, Loretta mention last week, and I thought this was a great comment because we've seen this too, is that people are faxing and emailing, and she knows of cases and we know of cases where people are not using secure email. I think the CFPB's made it pretty clear that borrower data is considered PPI data. So when you think about it, that way, and you might, let's say even as a lender, you're taking it on securely and you're using encrypted email, you're also responsible for your settlement agents, your service providers, yeah. you're on the hook Absolutely. for their behavior, right? So I yeah. think that people need to think about, you really need to set up a system that handles all of that. It allows you to be secure, repeatable, predictable, et cetera. And I, I don't, I think that's where you get into the, you know, the spirit of the law. And quite frankly, I would argue that's where you need technology. No, absolutely, without question. Anyway, when you when you think about the the concept, the idea behind collaborative portals, you know, uh, it, it's there. But in hindsight, wasn't that just a buzzword and never materialized into a real concept? Yeah, I, no, I think that's that's a great um, great point. I would say I would actually d couldn't disagree with you more in a way that it never materialized. Collaboration materialized, right? So all these lenders right. are collaborating. If you think about 
how are they getting this form done? They can't do it in a vacuum. So a lender can't um, complete the closing disclosure without you know, collaborating with the settlement agent. They're just choosing to do it manually, going back to my brute force comment. So I think the real question is, do you want to do this manual or do you want to do it electronic? And, you know, I don't think that manual really can scale, quite frankly. So I think right. you get down to you've got to find the right electronic collaboration uh, solution so that you, you can have a system and a process um, that helps you address, again, not just the letter but also the spirit of the law. Joe, I'm going to get you in on discussion. And, Alice, here, I know you're listening in. Hopefully you made it past security there at TSA. But if you could jump in with any of your comments. But, Joe, let's toss the mic to you. Well, I, I wondered if you could give us sort of a specific example of, of you know, where the lender and the agent broke down. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, you know, there's been lots of different areas. I think one that's been really loud and clear is a lot of noise about fee naming. So, as you all know. I'm sorry, what? Alice about fee naming. Oh, fee naming. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So, as you know, the loan estimate and the closing disclosure, that what you call things need to match. So, as lenders were preparing for TRID, they spent a lot of time not only consolidating their lists of fees and mapping them to the LOS. Okay? So, they were trying to grab hold of what all those possible permutations of fees could be. Um, before, when you had the closing agent doing the HUD-1, they could enter really what they wanted. If they wanted to call an endorsement something special, it didn't really matter to the lender because you were dealing in paper at that point, really. You were dealing in a document. But now that the lender has to produce the form, that data needs to come back, and it can't break its LOS. So you can't have a settlement agent just entering whatever they want, or you're going to have an integration problem. When we worked with lenders, they typically had three or four technology integrations going for TRID. So they had their their doc provider, their compliance uh, provider. They might have had a fee service that they were integrating to, maybe a collaboration portal. And now you've got to bring the data back from the settlement system. So, you know, what you call things, and not just fees, but all the way down to liabilities, adjustments, et cetera, um, really can wreak havoc, and I think it's rearing its ugly head right now. Yeah. Is it is it getting better, though? I mean, as as people are working together more and more, and uh, shouldn't at some point, shouldn't this all be pretty much smooth sailing? Um, yeah, it, that, that's the goal, right? <laughs> I think where we're seeing um, more smooth sailing is on the borrower form where the lenders are getting them back and, you know, getting them out, getting them disclosed in time right now. Um, we're still hearing a lot of rumblings on the seller form, and I'd be, you know, interested to see if that's come up on previous calls here, where lenders are telling us, you know, they're not necessarily even getting the seller form back. They're getting HUD-1s back, all the settlement statements back. I heard Loretta mention this last week as well. And if you look at the regulation, that burden is on the agent to get that seller form produced. The other thing I'm hearing a lot of noise on related to the seller form is the privacy of seller data. So we have a federal regulation in place, but there could be state privacy laws and other things playing that the agent feels beholden to to follow. So I still think there's a lot. Um, we're not just smooth sailing yet, I guess is the way I would say it. We're still working through it and getting on the same page. Well, is it is it a learning curve that that's going to take care of itself? Is this just a learning curve? Um, yeah. I, I I would hope so. I, I think my answer would be yes and no. So Alice said earlier about um, the correction just issued by the CFPB over one word, the word not, you know. Um, so we still have some regulatory ambiguity. 
And then there's interpretation. I mean, I'm just working with different lenders, how they've been interpreting things. You know, everyone has a slightly different view. They might be a little more conservative in some shops than others. And when you take that and then you have some regulatory ambiguity that's still being worked out, um, you know, it, it's it, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to come to terms with. So what I would encourage lenders to do is they've got to define, you know, their, going back to this risk paradigm, their comfort zone, how, how what they see it should be done, and then they need to build a system and a process that can enforce that um, when they do business. Because as I mentioned, but, even something like a fee name can cause an operational headache. Yeah, so you have to have a sure, plan. It sure seems like that. If each lender does that, how on earth can a, can a settlement agent uh, uh, you know, deal with everyone doing it a little bit differently. <laughs> um, you, know? you must sit on altar calls. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there's been this feeling, I think, maybe from the lending community that you know they're the customer, the agent is the service provider, right? And they should be able to just say so, um, and the agent follow it. And that, that's something I would strongly discourage. I don't think a lender can just say so. This is the way I want it done, and expect to get predictable, consistent results. I mean, I don't just, I, you know, I know David's a parent, I'm a parent. Any, I think any parent knows you can say so to your kid and they don't always follow, right? So the lender, again, is in the risk position. They're left holding the bag if, if the agent doesn't do what they need them to do. And we've heard noise around, you know, trying to contract, contractually put that in the closing instructions. But at the end of the day, the lender's responsible for the agent's behavior. So I think this gets back to you've got to give them tools. You've got to get an agent tool so that when they're working on you, Mr. Lender A's loan, they know what to do. Um, you can't expect the agent to be a walking human encyclopedia of every matrix of you know how a lender works. And so this is another place where we believe at Simplify, good collaboration can really simplify it, how that process come in. It, the the portal knows what lender you're in, and they can provide the tools to make sure that it's done consistently and correctly. Well, Hi, is Nancy. This is Alice. Oh, sorry. Go Hi, ahead, Alice. No, no. Go ahead, Alice. Go ahead, Alice. Yeah, I just – well, it was a couple points that you just made. Um, one is, you know, the I don't know if the lenders would agree with you, though, on that point of that – um, you know, we have to somehow get close to being on the same page because they're not going to have the same risk risk uh, tolerances that we see wide differences from one company to the next. So what are your thoughts on the attorney side? You've mentioned still companies several times. I agree we need a, they need a system. So uh, we find the attorneys are even more of a challenge in those states that are attorney closing. They're not. Uh, they're trying to say, no, I'm going to still be in control. You're going to do it my way. And believe it or not, we're still getting caught once from attorneys. <laughs> I heard Loretta say that, too, and we've heard that, too. Um, you know, I don't know. On Simplify, we look at it all the same. I mean, we're national, so our agent base, we have 17,000 closing companies, includes closing attorneys, and they've been real active with us, um, excited to have tools. They want it simplified. So we haven't um, – simplified, sorry. Um, they We haven't seen the pushback. I mean, you're de- generally dealing um, with – smaller organizations at that time, so you've got to get your message out and get them trained. And and that's something that I think can't be overlooked. You can't just roll technology out there and think that everyone's going to be able to adopt it. I can't um, 
stress enough the importance of holding, whether it's a small closing attorney or a small agent somewhere, holding their hand on their first couple loans. And that's, you know, I know we as a provider believe in that. But that's something as an industry I think we have to do the heavy lifting on and understand that that's needed to get everyone there across the finish line. That just takes a lot of yeah. resources, you know, for those uh, mid to even mid-sized companies and feeling like I have to train every single title agent. And, of course, the realtors and the loan officers want you to use the last-minute attorney or title company to be added to their list. And that, of course, complicates things for lenders trying to stick with just an approved list. So, it anyway, does. it's a challenge. It is a challenge, yes. Um, I agree with you. I can tell you that we have staffed up tremendously just for the hand-holding purpose. It's something we've always done historically, and e-recording is that nobody goes to their first e-recording without our help, um, and we sit on the line with them, and the same thing happens um, when they get their first trade loan. So that is, that is a, I mean, I just think it's a reality, and we can close our eyes and hope it goes away or just say we're going to say so and think we're going to get results, but I don't think that's the case. But I mean, is the some, solution? Go ahead, Don. Sorry, go. Yeah, go is, ahead. Is the solution a technology right improvement? Is the solution technology? I'm sorry. Yeah. Is yeah. That's yeah. the question. I, I believe. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't work for a for a technology provider if I didn't believe this. And a lot of my career has been around, you know, committed to innovation and technology. So I'm a passionate believer in it. But um, I 100% believe good technology should eliminate a lot of the noise that we talked about. So let's just go back to fees um, that we talked about before. If lender A calls something, you know, XYZ, and the next lender calls really the same fee, ABC, um, good technology should normalize all that. So when we onboard a lender, we actually get all of their fee mapping. We map it to the MISMO standard under the hood so that you're starting to be able to tie it back to a standard. And so that when an agent comes in alone for lender A, they're only allowed to pick from fees in the sections that that lender wants them. So remember, you might have an item that could be in section A, B, C, H, right? So, but they don't know where that lender wants it. And your, your technology should allow that agent or closing attorney to come in and say, oh, okay, for this lender it's here. And we, we've put tools in where they can just search on something, and it's going to tell them here's all the places this lender allows this, Click on it, take it right there to enter. So they don't really have to know exactly what each lender is doing because they might do one loan a month. I heard a, I heard a stat the other day that the typical settlement agent might deal with 35 different lenders a week. You know, impossible to manage all that in their in their head. So wow. I don't think you can do that just with humans. You need technology um, to help kind of solve for that that process. Dave, I'll shift it back to you. Well, yeah, no question. I think when you look at that, and let's let, yeah, when you when you look at the technology, you seem to feel that technology is there to help solve these problems. Is anything else we need to be aware of? Uh, any misconceptions that are out there? Um, just you mean as far as going forward? Um, I, you know, I think yeah, one move, big on mis- moving forward, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I think one big misconception, misconception is some people kind of feel like we're over the hump or over the hurdle, you know, October's in the past, we're all kind of getting loans done. Um, And it goes back to my earlier comment, David. Um, If you solve for a TRID as a form change, I think you're in trouble. Um, Don't need to be Debbie Downer there, but, you know, the uniform closing data set, the data that has to be delivered to the GSEs in 2017, will be here before we know it. I mean, they're going to start testing – 
you know, allow testing of submission of that data later this year in the third quarter. So it goes back to, you know, did you solve this as a form change or did you really look at this as a data standard and start moving towards the MISMO 3.3 file, you know, the uniform um, closing data set, which is based on MISMO 3.3. So I think there's a whole technology challenge there that a lot of vendors maybe didn't think about. They just tried to produce the form. And I think we're going to see a whole other hiccup in our vendor community this year for those that didn't solve um, in the first go-around and base it on the standard. When you look at some of the examples of collaboration that is going on out there is, you know, what are some of the benefits in the marketplace for those that are beginning to discover the, the a tool like yours? You guys got some great collaborative tools, and I'm really excited about learning more about what you're offering. But, you know, give some examples of collaboration and the benefits of it. Yeah, so I think one is timing. I mean, people think about collaboration of just getting the – the things on the form, right? But think about timing. Right. How much more efficient is real-time collaboration? If um, you look at doing it manually or even some of the systems that are not real-time, you're doing your work, you're passing the baton, you're waiting, you could potentially be working on stale data while data is changing, you know, it's out the agent being changed. Real-time collaboration, you are in lockstep with what's going on with the agent. So if they make a change, you immediately know. You can, in our solution, actually, you can be in there together. So it's literally real time, which is nothing we've ever had before, and it's connecting the settlement system or the title production system into the loan origination system, which we've never had before. I mean, I can't tell you how many years I heard, you know, lenders ask me how to get the how to get the HUD one data electronically, and they use OCR and other things to do that because they've always had that right. disconnect of what comes back, and this is the first time ever. The other thing I would think is, um, you know, I, I was my ears perked up when you said the kickback pools on TRID. So think about downstream providers. We're hearing stories that, you know, loans are being um, suspended by aggregators or other investors because they're not sure what to do if there's not a space between the title and the dash. Um, I mean, I'm hoping this is a temporary kind of paralysis going on. But when you think about it, I mean, people are scared to buy these loans. They're stepping into that risk. Yeah. And so the better you document or audit your collaboration process, that's information that can be passed on to uh, third-party buyers as well. So can I assume that collaboration can help with the UCD uh, delivery too? Yes. So if your vendor is based on the MISMO 3.3 and you're collaborating in a MISMO 3.3, which is the Uniform Closing Data Set Standard, right. yes, it should be basically positioning lenders for UCD delivery, which I think is awesome. So, you know, eliminate the scrambling. I look at all the things that you're doing out there and how you're eliminating this, and then I'm listening to Alice's comments and uh, some of Joe's questions. I look at the need for collaboration. And I want to talk a little bit about this. There's a lot of things to think about before we wrap up this segment, but I really want to take a look and really uh, hear about your solution a little bit, Nancy. I mean, you I, I'm getting familiar with it as a result of our interaction, getting ready to have you on the podcast. I'm not sure that everyone understands what Simplifile is about. So if, if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes telling us about how it came about, how you saw this need, and what you're specifically doing. Sure. <laughs> you don't have to convince me on that. Um, so Simplifile has been in the marketplace for about 16 years. We're primarily known um, in the e-recording space, which to the lending community, you might think, e-recording, I don't have to worry about that. But on, if you went to a, 
a title or, or a settlement show, you would understand that we're a household name in the real estate space and have been. Um, so we're the leading provider of e-recording. And think, take a step back and say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we've been running a technology platform that connects different parties in the real estate transaction. Primarily in our past, it's been settlement agent to county or servicer to county, and we move data docs, and in the case of recording payment, because we pay the county and also pay the transfer taxes, back and forth completely electronically. Okay, And it's a huge market, growing market. About 74% yeah. of the U.S. population lives in such in an e-recording county. What we did is say, take a step back. We've got the backbone. We know how to securely move data and docs. How do we add lenders to that? Because lenders now need to be really close to their settlement providers. And how do we take all those relationships and connect them? And that's what we did. And we built a collaboration portal that brings the lender into the fold, and they can see not only just before closing getting the disclosures out, but we keep that connection open post-closing so a lender can watch a loan go to recording, can get it back from the county. We can push it to them electronically, get trailing docs back electronically. Alice referenced how important it is for this communication trail in her some of her earlier comments. And mm-hmm. I, I really see this as an effective tool to help with, in the event that you were to be audited by CFPB or called into question about how you're buying, speak to that briefly. We just only have just literally just a few moments. So if you could speak to that and then also provide information on how people can get a hold of you, Nancy. Absolutely. As brief as possible, there's nothing that's done, whether it's a document, a data change, or a chat messaging. It's not something I didn't touch on, but we also take you know email and phone out of the equation and have live instant chat between the agent and lender. All of that is audited down to the very last detail. So you have a full audit trail of who did what, when, and where, both from lender and settlement agent. So um, wow. I think that would speak to Alice's so, um, comment. As far as reaching me, um, I can be reached at my phone number is 505-918-2322, or it's nancy.alley, which is A-L-L-E-Y, which is like uh, bowling alley, at simplifile.com. And Nancy, thank you so much for uh, taking well, the time. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Folks, check it out at simplifile.com, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-I-L-E.com. Nancy, appreciate it so much, and uh, be sure to wish uh, I wish you all the success. I think this is a great, innovative product, really meeting a need in the marketplace right now. And so really appreciate you taking time out to join us. Good to have you. Well, my here. pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, David. You bet. Thank you, Nancy. Next week we've got David Gansberg, who is going to be the, who he is the president and CEO of ArchMI. He's going to be our guest talking about leadership, innovation, and succeeding in 2016. You'll want to make sure you check out the podcast for next week. Join us live. Appreciate so many of you dialing in on this holiday week to join us. Lots of people from literally all over the United States. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Have a great week and a happy President's Day. And uh, I look forward to having you back next week. Thank you, everybody. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consultant. Oh, sorry about that. Keep hitting the wrong button here. There we go. That's the end of the program. Ah, thank you. Talk to you soon, everybody. Last week. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Elvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening.